In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, your host. I'm here to talk with you today about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global, ma- uh, global level. In short, happiness matters. It comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on our guest today, I want to open up the phone lines for call-ins at 877-864-4869. Again, 877-864-4869. You can also log in to toginet.com to our chat room and connect with us there, as well as Facebook, our Harvesting Happiness fan page. Um, today's guest is very unique and very interesting. She uh, has quite a story to tell. Before we bring on Suzanne Jockis, I want to also update you on some projects that we've got going on at Harvesting Happiness. We are in preparation for Harvesting Happiness for Heroes at the Sundance Resort in Sundance, Utah, where we will be holding a weekend workshop retreat for returning military personnel and their spouses. Uh, We also have ongoing workshops with the Veterans Preservation Corps, where we are working with men and women who have been through drug and alcohol rehab within the VA system in Southern California. And uh, we are putting together a TEDx community talk, TEDx Malibu, where we are going to have spreading ideas and thoughts uh, from our local community. And without further ado, I'd love to bring on our guest today. Suzanne Jockis is a professional psychic author and radio personality. When she was 40, she walked away from quote-unquote the perfect life that was killing her to become the person she was born to be. Suzanne's life has been a kaleidoscope of astonishing experiences that have conspired to bring her finally to a life of seamlessness. I love that. Seamlessness and fulfillment. She appears as a monthly guest on Portland, Oregon's 105.2. 
1FM The Buzz Drive Home Program with Daria, Mitch, and Ted. You can find Suzanne at www.suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, J-A-U-C-H-I-U-S dot com. And I, before we get Suzanne on the phone, I want to ask you to think about psychic and psychic phenomenon and mystical experiences outside of the woo-woo realm, because this woman is going to prove to us today with our conversation that there are some things that are not seen that are very much amidst us. So have an open mind and sit tight. Welcome, Suzanne. Hi, Lisa. Well, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> that was, and well spoken. <laughs> well, I, I would love to. I love to provoke people. I love to get them out of their comfort zone in a safe way, and I think that your work certainly does that. Um, and your book is a fabulous read. She's written a, a book, a, a memoir called "Know Your Way Home," which I am in the process of reading. And let me just do the intro for this, Suzanne, because I didn't do it. It's a true story about a woman with five husbands. Yes, we have a serial marrier. Marrier amongst us. Um, she's secretly chasing killers and missing people until she comes to a three-way collision with a brash mystery man, an abrupt therapist in a padded room, and a revered Lakota medicine man. So that, there's another mouthful for you. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so let's just, let's just talk a little bit about your life and your story, which is phenomenal, actually. Thank you, Lisa. Um, um, well... I started the. I started my story actually for my grandchildren, and it's it became a book, and a beautiful book at that. Twenty two years ago, you walked away from the seemingly perfect perfect life. Yes, I did because it was killing me. I actually was depressed. I was sleeping fourteen, sixteen hours a day. I was hiding that from everyone. Um, it looked like I'd been up and about all day, but in fact, I was something in me was dying, and I, I wanted to die, but I didn't. I suicidal. I just simply didn't want to wake up sometime and mm. knew that there was something really, really wrong. I had tried therapists, uh, different therapists through the years and, and n- nothing seemed to uh, reach out to me. Um, nothing grabbed me. And uh, so in this perfect life, I was dying. How did you recognize your unhappiness amidst the success, the prosperity, the active social life, the quote-unquote sort of, you know, perfect world that you were living in? Well, I, I guess it, it would have to be the, um, the, the sort of chronic sadness I, I was experiencing. I, I could do the outer smile and the outer laughter and, you know, have it all look good on the outside. But inside, I, there was a painful sadness. And um, actually, uh, my daughter at the time was uh, in, the, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade. And I had, uh, take, was taking her and a friend on an errand. And I jumped out of the car quickly to go check the mail. And I heard, overheard her friends say, why is your mother so sad all the time? And oh my gosh, that was like a, a, a sword to my, my heart. I, I, I realized that someone was seeing that. No one had ever spoken it, but the, here this child, maybe 13 years old, spoke it, and it got my attention. It would get my attention. Indeed, out of the mouths of babes, you know, yeah. they're often the greatest uh, mirrors or, or, or reflectors of what we are going through. Um, 
in years past, you have worked with the FBI, and this is where I think this is a most interesting perspective for people to view who are not familiar with psychic phenomenon and the regular use of psychics in um, crime solving. Well, um, you know, <laughs> in all fairness, the, the you know the FBI. Aren't real excited about working with psychics, but they, they certainly uh, will consider. And I've got to tell you, Lisa, through the years, I have I've seen um, a, a real change there. You know, there, there's more of an openness, more of a consideration that perhaps um, there's something of value. Um, but uh, boy, in the early days, it was poo pooed. Yes. However, you got many people's attention with uh, a case in the Pacific Northwest that I'm hoping you'd be willing to talk about, and that is uh, about the Lee Isley case. Yes. Um, it was my actually my very first foray into missing persons, and uh, a little uh, boy was missing here in, in the Portland area, and a friend of mine actually worked for and with Search and Rescue, or the Search and Rescue team, and uh, she called and wanted to know if I'd be willing to work on the case a little bit. And I said, gee, I've never done that before. You know, I was very nervous, and uh, but proceeded on with it. And when they ultimately found the body, um, I uh, she invited me to come out to the site where the body had been found to see if I would see anything more than what I'd already seen. And uh, it was profound for me. I had an experience at, at this lake where the body was found and uh, actually saw in my, of course, in my mind, the car. Um, I saw the uh, some, some um, movements, actually, that the perpetrator had gone through. And um, as we left that spot um, driving home, I said, wait a minute, follow that car. And she goes, uh, excuse me, you're the only one that could see it. And uh, so I told her, turn left, turn right. And we ended up going out towards a rural Vancouver area, and I, I, I lost it in my mind. It, it was gone, and we pulled over, and I predicted that um, that the killer would strike again in about 10 days, and I named the town uh, and the events around it. And sure enough, about know, seven or 10 days later, it was on the front page of the paper, and they, the police actually got the guy in the act of kidnapping another child. In the, in the small town that I had uh, seen it happen. So it was pretty profound for me. Mm. And, yeah, and, and quite a statement to personal, you know, sort of personally validating um, that, whoa, <laughs> this stuff does work. Well, and that's what came to mind immediately is, you know, when we all have these, uh, in your case, it is a highly cultivated uh, psychic uh, gift, but we yeah. all have we all have some level of intuition, and when we follow that gut, and this I would love to get into in the next segment because we are going to go to a break in a couple of minutes. Uh -huh. well, when 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 we follow that gut, that sixth sense, it usually never fails. It usually and, never fails, and that really I think is the essence of what you write about. You know yeah. how you have how you came to yourself through your own story. And 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 are is list, are now listening to the voice that is speaking within, and how you're living your right life, and how you're living more joyfully, Absolutely. and on purpose. And on purpose, yes. <laughs> and that's the way we're supposed to live. I'm convinced of it. 
And I think that is the definition of perfect happiness, you know, uh, that is that sense of on-purposeness, which, you know, may not be the same for everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody has a a different sense of passion, purpose, place, and meaning in life. And the ability to to really, you know, live in that honest response um, to your inner voice without fear of criticism of of the outside world. Mm. And And the outside world is a collection of uh, fierce criticism. It can be. Certainly can. And it takes a strength of heart to, to rise above that and beyond that and to see your dreams become a reality. We are going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation um, with Suzanne Jackis and her book, Know Your Way Home. You can find the book at www.knowyourwayhome.com. We'll be right back. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and here come the tunes. know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity we'll be right back to explain how on harvesting happiness with lisa cypress Kamen on toginet.com are you someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day or are you someone like me who needs regular infusions of inspiration i'm meg pierre a photographer travel writer and creator of the website www.com viewfromthepeer.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new beautiful image from my travels around the world, captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. Viewfromthepeer.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels, who offer their personal stories and wisdom along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepeer.com. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. 
Welcome back, or just welcome if you're joining us now. I am here today with Suzanne Jockius, who is the author of You Know Your Way Home, which is her true story about a woman with five husbands secretly chasing killers and missing people until she comes to a three-way collision with a brash mystery man, an abrupt therapist in a padded room, and a revered Lakota medicine man. Welcome back, Suzanne. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Before the break, we were talking about the intuition or the sixth sense or the the little voice that accompanies all of us through our lives. There's not a person on the planet that, that doesn't have some level of intuition that can be cultivated more. Absolutely. And, and it is, you know, it, it's called a sixth sense, but it's a valid sense, just like all the others. Um, you know, it, it's so important to listen to. And you mentioned that you had found a therapist on your journey who began to validate the the talents and the skills that you have, the psychic phenomenon that you possess and have used to help solve crimes and and help so many people across the country. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that and the the importance of reaching out? Absolutely. And I I have to preface it with um, a a moment in my life uh, with this ability that was absolutely life-changing. I was about eight years old, and um, I was told by my mother that I couldn't go to any more birthday parties if I uh, brought home all the prizes, because uh, apparently it was a source of embarrassment to her. And uh, when we, we would have these birthday parties in third and fourth grade, uh, they blindfold you to play pin the tail on the donkey and that sort of thing. And I always won. I always could see. And I thought it was just normal. I, I actually thought I was just smart and clever. And apparently I was actually seeing, and, it, and it, her, her message to me you know, don't bring home any more prizes or you won't be going, um, really took my voice away at about the age of eight or nine. I, I suddenly became afraid of what I was seeing and, and afraid to put it to words. And that voice went into hiding until I was about, I don't know, 40 years old. I, um, I, I, I didn't know I, I, this awkwardness. There was a, such an awkwardness in the way I saw the world. So at uh, about 40, I crashed. I, I, I didn't want to live anymore. And a friend had given me a card that belonged to an addiction therapist. And I thought, what would I need this for? And um, boy, in that moment where I didn't realize I didn't want to live anymore, I stood up and, and went to the phone and called this therapist. And um made an appointment, went in to see her. She um, hit me over the head with the idea that having been married five times before before the age of 34, I had a relationship addiction. (laughs) And uh, that empowered me. Having, you know, having a a, a sort of a diagnosis, if you will, um, empowered me. And I wanted to work with her. And as we worked, it took about three months for me to have the courage to tell her that I was uh, a psychic. And, um, she, you know, I was so scared. It was like, what? What was she? What if she? Put, what if she locks me away? <laughs> and her response relieved me. It was, oh, that's wonderful. I go to psychics, <laughs> and I went really. Um, so we began to really do some great work together. And she, in fact, encouraged me to actually use it as a business. And so, for the last twenty years, I have been a professional psychic. Um, but it took working with her one-on-one for a couple of years and then a few more years in group 
to really feel like I had my legs under me and I could go out in the world in my true voice. And it is that true voice, the, the authenticity, the being being on point with your purpose. It sounds yeah. like this was the turn. This was the turning point, huge. which huge, and it happens often for people around forty. If around you listen. forty, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think up until then, you know, when we're born, we're handed a script, whether we like it or not. You know, we're handed this script, usually by the family that we're born into, and it takes us usually about forty years to kind of get it that. Mm, Maybe there's more to us than that, that family script we were handed. Um, and typically, certainly in my case, um, that which was wanting to come forth in me um, was not acceptable in my family. And too often that is the case. Um, you know, oh, you can't do that. You can't make a living at that. That's a dumb career. You know, we get these messages from people who supposedly love us, um, you know, d- directing us for our own good, of course. <laughs> And then we hit this wall and know that something's wrong, terribly wrong. Yes, and and oftentimes our families will discourage that sort of going out of the comfort zone or the realm, uh, the normal realm of the family of origin because the shift is uncomfortable for everybody else. It may be perfectly comfortable for you or for me doing things that are sort of out of uh, the spectrum of what's considered normal, mm-hmm. but when it, uh, our families look at us and they can no longer relate, that's where there's perceived threat and there there's, can be oftentimes suppression. You know, don't do that because, oh, yeah. you know, it's just not done. Right. It's, uh, you know, I remember I was um, I went to college the first time when I was very, very young. I, I went when I was 16 years old, and I went to architecture school, which oh. I loved, and I still uh-huh. do to this day. I have an affinity for architecture. I'm always involved in construction and design. Um, but when I got there in the first or second year, I thought, I really have an affinity for the healing arts, and I really probably should go to school to become an acupuncturist. Well, nice little Jewish girls from Beverly Hills do not become acupuncturists in 1981. It just, it doesn't happen, you know? Um, And I sort of put that side of myself away until, once again, that 40 number reared its happy little head and said, no, 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 you're Mm -hmm. not on point. Yes. And And you listen uh, to it. Yep, and it was listening to the voice that it was uh, there again. The opportunity to become involved with the healing arts, mm-hmm. um, you know, became very obvious to me. And from that moment forward, you know, it's been an upward trajectory to joy. Isn't that that's awesome? It's a very similar story to, yeah. to yours. And, you know, our, our families are not, they weren't bad or, or wrong. They were doing what was comfortable to them. Well, and a lot of times doing what was done to them. You know, mm-hmm. in, in, in my case, there was a, there was definitely some um, emotional abuse and, and um, dysfunction that took place that I also had to break through with my therapist. Um, but boy, it's so it's so wonderful and freeing to stand in in your real self and know that um, the life, the choices you're making in your life belong to you. And uh, your, you know, a willingness to step forward every day, knowing that, well, I could lose it all, but I, I, I'm going to risk this in order to gain it all. And mm. t- you know, typically that's what happens. Is um, it all turns out great, but there's always that moment where, ah, oh, this could be the worst mistake of my life, but here I go. And um, there, I think we have to hit that place of the willingness to risk um, taking those steps. 
And, well, when, and it takes a lot of courage. It does take courage. It mm-hmm. does take courage to live authentically, you know? Yes, it does. And I think that that is the moral of your story, certainly, because yes. it was, you know, what you did at 40 was sort of out of bounds at the time, you know? Um, perfectly nice, you know, young women, you know, pretty young women with children didn't go off and become psychics and solve crimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it certainly didn't make my, uh, that, the husband at that time very happy either. It, it actually was the beginning of the end of that marriage. And um, really, if I have to put it into words, it would be uh, the marriage to myself, you know, that took place. Mm. And... Uh, what, and, and, and the joy I began to feel, um, the happiness I began to feel, was um, uh, it, almost embarrassing, Lisa. <laughs> I remember at one point my my daughter looking at me and going, "What are you so happy for?" You know, and I realized that that my sadness had become such a habit that it was expected. You know, and that was startling to me when she asked me why I was so happy all the time, all of a sudden. You know, it it, it was it was it was startling to hear that coming from my daughter she expected sadness she expected sadness and what she received from you was equanimity you know you had become you had come into alignment with Mm. your life yes and And it was uncomfortable like you said it becomes uncomfortable to the people around you who know you the other way indeed let's talk for a second about your children you have a a son and a daughter and um, how have they um perceived your journey, you know, and how has it impacted their lives and what they're doing in in their lives today? Um, You know, I'd have to say that um, they, you know, both of my kids have had the opportunity to be true to themselves. They both um, have been able, I would say, because, you know, sort of watching me take my steps, um, kind of gave them permission to to take their steps. Um, You know, of course, my son always wanted to be a police officer, and that's certainly what he became. But my daughter had a love affair with horses. And there again, horse trainer is um, not exactly, you know, a profession that, uh, well, is necessarily acceptable. And so she went into corporate America for a while. And and then at one point she said, I'm going to go be a horse trainer. And she did. And she's, you know, becoming quite successful. So I think I like to think that my steps encouraged uh, her for sure. Um, we are going to slip into our break very gracefully, and when we return, we're going to continue the conversation with Suzanne Jockis, who has written a beautiful memoir, You Know Your Way Home, and we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to go back to the intuition that each one of us possesses and ways that we can tune into it and um, uh, cultivate it, because it really is a skill that once we begin to listen can guide us to the most simple and complex decisions of our life. Um, to reach Suzanne, you can do so at www.suzannejockeys.com. And let me spell that for you. S-U-Z-N-N-E-J-A-U-C-H-I-U-S.com. And to find out more about her book, You Know Your Way Home, you can contact her there at www.youknowyourway.com. Home. And I have to say, this book is really a great read. It is so well written and so chock a block with amazing stories, Suzanne. (laughs) I mean, it's been an amazing life. (laughs) It is an amazing life. It has been and it continues to be an amazing life. Here are the tunes. We'll be right back. 
We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers Cayman on Toginet.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Druggynet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. central on Toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Suzanne Jackis, who's a professional psychic, author, and radio personality. She's also um, just come out with her new book, You Know Your Way Home. And we are talking about the sixth sense, intuition, psychic phenomenon, the little mysteries of the world that when we stop, look, listen, and pay attention, surround us in huge abundance. Welcome back, Suzanne. Hi. Hi. Let's talk about that little voice again and ways okay. that we can cultivate it, each one of us. All right. Um, well, for me, as a child, I had dreams that came true. So one of the things I urge people to do is keep a dream journal. I think our dreams are 
sort of messages from God, and um, we're supposed to pay attention to them over a period of time. I think if, we, if you journal uh, your dreams, um, you can look back after three or four months and see, oh, gee, I saw that coming. Um, you know, dreams are so fleeting. If we don't write them down, we've forgotten them by noon. And so that's one of the biggest um I think uh, exercises a person can do in uh, developing dialogue with their uh, with their inner voice, and the other is just a daily journal uh, of thoughts and feelings and, and that sort of thing. Um, it, it helps. It becomes a mirror. If we don't have an outside mirror, someone that like I, I hired a therapist, <laughs> uh, our journals can certainly become a mirror for a fabulous mirror for us. Mm. And I, I tell people to stop. That's how I coach people to, mm-hmm. to, to develop that sixth sense, too, is when we stop, we're so busy driving, right. talking, yapping, right. running errands, working, living our lives, taking care of our families, we don't stop. And it's in that pause, it's in that silence that sometimes we get these, you know, I, I wouldn't call them messages, but we get information from the parts of our brain that we're not normally listening to, or from our hearts. Absolutely. And how many of us have ever had a gut feeling, you know, um, and, and didn't listen to it and afterwards going, oh, I wished I would have listened. Um, so that I think in that stopping and in that pausing, it gives us a moment to consider those gut feelings instead of reacting to the world. Um, we learn a better response. And asking for the information. I think that um, you, you brought up a point about the dream journal. Mm-hmm. I often coach people to ask the question that they're yeah. looking for clarification on before they go to bed. And and I, I also do that, and I, I also urge them to actually write it down on a piece of paper. Write the question down on a piece of paper and stick it under your pillow. And um, typically within three or four days, you're going to wake up with an answer. Um, and again, that's why the dream journaling is important. You begin to um, put out the intention to your uh, inner or uh, intuitive self that you're willing to listen, and yes. you're so willing to listen that you're going to you're going to record it. And uh, there there becomes, I, I believe, more access then. Um, but absolutely, taking it into your dream world. And in keeping with the hitting the pause button and, and stopping the normal routine, I often, um, I hike a lot. I probably hike five days a week. And I use that time for moving meditation, and it's, it's a spiritual practice for me. And when I go on these hikes, I get information. Because I'm quieting out my, my daily routine, uh-huh. I have an opportunity for you know, issues that I'm working on to sort of percolate. And oftentimes I get uh, answers to questions or points of clarification. Yeah. I'm, invo- I'm involved in some legal wranglings right now. Mm-hmm. And um, as we were preparing the documents, there was this point when they were done that came up. And I went out on one of these hikes. And this isn't woo-woo, ladies and gentlemen. This is just sort of, you know, stopping and uh, allowing the chatter in your mind to come forward. Uh And um, this point that I thought of ended up being a very valuable point. And it would not necessarily have come to the forefront if I had continued in my daily routine busying myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to get the body out of or uh, the mind so focused sometimes 
on the body that it gives it creates space in the mind. For me, it's running. Um, people ask me if I meditate, and I say yes when I'm running uh, because I'm I'm so focused on you know getting up that hill and stretching my leg, you know, breathing, and that uh, it gives my it gives my intuition an opportunity to bubble up into my mind. And so I will, in fact, take questions out on my runs with me. Very often, uh, by the end of the run, I have I have my answer. And the answer may not always be the right answer, but the answer takes you on a journey, you know, and I think that's important to say, too, that it's not the be-all, end-all, you're getting the edict of what's right or wrong, but if you start to listen and see where it takes you, often you will end up in the right place. It's a signpost, yeah. It is a signpost. We have one of our listeners who <laughs> wrote something very funny on the Togi chat. She said, okay. I'd be too busy trying to remember my dreams and then never get a good night's sleep. Well, that's just not the point. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly isn't. <laughs> and, you know, and what I tell people is, um, you know, when you first wake up in the morning, just lie very still. I don't know if you've noticed, if you are a dreamer, um, if you roll over even in bed, the dream's gone. So sometimes you have to just lie very still, you know, breathe and lie there for maybe about five minutes even, recalling your dreams. And then very, you know, very quietly reach over and get your pen and paper and and jot down. And it doesn't even have to be the whole dream. Enough notes uh, that you'll be able to remember it later and uh, come back to it. But uh, you've got to capture it in those first five minutes when you wake up. Uh, Many years ago, I took meditation from an MIT scientist. His name is uh, Tom Knowles, Dr. Tom Knowles. And he uh, was involved in uh, the period of time at MIT and Harvard where crazy things were happening with psychedelics. I think he's in his late 60s now. And he really takes the business of meditation quite seriously. And he's been involved with some very serious um, scientific testing. And he, in the class that I took from him, talked about, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right because I don't use the word often lollygagging or lollygagging lollygagging I like that lollygagging he (laughs) says make sure you lollygag every morning when you get up yes and I thought that's terrific you know and this this is what you're talking about is sort of pausing when you get up in the morning too often we bounce out of bed you know maybe we've overslept or the phone woke us or the kids and we just jump up you know and if if you can lollygag even for a couple minutes it's so helpful so here's the tip of the day, lollygagging to increase intuition. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, we're and, so time-oriented, too. You know, I've got to be here, and I've got to be there, and this time, and that time. And, you know, I, I think our natural way of being is, is, is more natural than that. <laughs> you know, uh, lollygagging might be it. It, it may be it. And children, children know how to do it. They certainly do. They often have excellent intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people ask me about my children and my grandchildren, if they have the same ability. And I, I do think it, at least at the level that um, mine is or has been um, from childhood is that there, it does seem to run in families. And so, yes, I think there is a generational thing. But I also believe that it can be... Um, it can be uh, fine-tuned in, in, in anyone. Um, but my gra- i got to tell you a quickie. My, my, my granddaughter, who is nine years old, when she started uh, first grade, I was going in to pick her up every day after school, and it was Halloween, and 
and I went to pick her up, and she was pulling this big gar- uh, grocery bag. And she said, Grandma, could you help me carry this? And I looked, and it was a jack-o'-lantern, a huge, huge jack-o'-lantern. And I said, oh, gosh, did your cl- class carve these jack-o'-lanterns today? And she said, no, I won it. And I said, you won it? And, and from the whole school? Yeah, from the whole school. I said, how did you do that? She said, well, I was supposed to guess how many seeds, 327, and how much it weighed, 12 and a half pounds. And I go, <laughs> I go, oh, so you were close? And she goes, Grandma, it had 327 seeds, and it weighed 12 and a half pounds. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, and I said, well, how did you do that? And she says, I have a very good memory. And, you know, Lisa, when I was a kid, I would – I. I, I thought I remembered the future. I would remember when this or that happened, and then a few weeks later it would happen. As children, we don't know where to put that. And so I put it in as a memory. Mm. And there she was saying, well, I have a very good memory. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here we go. <laughs> and actually, oh. that is what made me sit down and start writing my book. Oh, here we go is right. You yeah. know, she's, mm-hmm. she's got the bloodline. Yes. <laughs> Wow, that that is powerful. That that's a wonderful story. It, it, yeah. it does mimic you as a child. That's for sure. Yeah, and it you know it it, it validated. It, and here I was, you know, much older now, and still getting validation for things I experienced at her age. Mm. Yes. We are going to go to a break in a couple of minutes okay. when uh, we come back and we'll start now talking about the importance of, ha- of happiness, the importance of really harvesting a happy life and what that entails and how it dovetails into your work you know, counseling and coaching people from a psychic perspective, because it is a little bit different than uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a coach. You're working with different tools that include some of the other, but you're coming from a little bit different place. Absolutely. Um, I even have therapists who send their clients to me um, just for a validation that that needed to come forward that in the therapeutic process um, was not getting there fast enough. So Yes. Uh-huh. Well, well, there is a, a very interesting branch of, of psychic phenomenon and counseling that I think you would probably fall into if you're being referred to by therapists, and that's yeah. sort of medical intuitive, where you really are gearing in to a person's body and mind and spirit and seeing where, where they're hurting. Or how you how you how you can help them identify patterns, and that certainly has been my experience um, with the ones the therapists do send my way. Yes, well, we, we're going to talk more about this and and the importance, as I said before, about uh, cultivating happiness in one's life, because when we are happy, when we are living that right life. We flourish, and when we flourish, the people around us also have the opportunity to flourish, and that's how we win, win wars in a different way. You know, we're winning the wars of the hearts and minds. Um, we are speaking today with Suzanne Jockis. She's a professional psychic, author, and radio personality who has written You Know Your Way Home. You can find her at www.youknowyourwayhome.com. We'll be right back. Where is my Where is my heart? We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Attention parents and teachers. 
Here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less, and a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. A fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. With your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Suzanne Jockis, who's a professional psychic, author, and radio personality. And before the break, we were talking about the importance of living a happy life and how we can cultivate greater happiness and how the tools of seeking guidance from uh, a psychic counselor may assist. Suzanne, you said oftentimes psychologists will refer their clients, their patients to you and how you can um, intuit or help them see areas where they may have been blocked. Absolutely, um, and it's so wonderful to see the lights go on, you know, in their eyes when we when we put it to words. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I see myself as really kind of validating for others uh, what they already knew. I, see, I hear that all the time. I already knew that, but I didn't think it was valid. And um, I, I honestly believe it just takes one other person in the world really seeing us um, to encourage us to, to move forward, to give us you know, confidence to move forward. Um, so that, that's been a, a side benefit of my work that I never anticipated was being able to do that for people. And I'm sure a contributor to your to your happiness, that as you see their successes, oh, yeah. you know, it elevates your own joy. 
Absolutely. I, I, if I can tell a quick story, I had a dentist come to me um, some years ago. He was a reti- he was a retired dentist, seventy two years old. He said he didn't know why he was coming to a psyche. He, he didn't believe him. He'd never come to one, but here he was. A friend had recommended, and. Um, when I go in, I close my eyes initially. I don't talk to people. I close my eyes. I start seeing pictures and um, tell people the pictures I'm shown. And I open my eyes after about 10 minutes and see if any of it makes sense. And I open my eyes, and he had tears in his eyes. And he said, I'm 72 years old, and I have been seen for the first time. And one of the things I told him was I could see him playing like the violin or the cello or something. And he told me when he was young, he wanted to be a cellist. And his parents said he could not make a living doing that, and so he went on to follow his father's footsteps being a dentist. And um, the, 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 the sort of momentary joy that he experienced right there was so worth it. I, I'm, I was so happy that, uh, that I could see him and that he could have that experience um, before he died, which he did, in fact, die a couple years later. So... Um, you know, there we just need to be seen and witnessed for who we really are. You know, that word witness is what came to my mind. I was just yeah. gonna say that about we all need a witness to our life. You know, we all it's uh it is startling and it's so simple. Actually. It's so simple. Um, you have a couple of um, events coming up. You are going to San Antonio, Texas, which is not far from our radio station. Uh-huh. And that's on September 23rd. You will be on the NBC Channel 4, San Antonio Living. Could you talk a little bit about that and how um, our listeners may view you? Well, it's... Um San Antonio Living is their good uh, morning show, and it, the hostess is Shelley Miles. She read the book and uh, called and wanted to know if I would be willing to come on for a five-minute interview uh, from, you know, Portland, Oregon to San Antonio for five minutes, and I'm like, absolutely, sign me up. So I'm going to be going down there September 23rd uh, to talk about the book, You Know Your Way Home. And you will be streaming, that interview will be streamed live on SAL. Living so at Sal Living S A L I V I N G dot com uh-huh. on September twenty third. I'm assuming you'll have that interview also up on your website. Absolutely. Too. Uh-huh. Yes. And um, the other question I wanted to ask you about your work is um, if somebody lives out of Oregon, out of the country, and they want to consult you, how would they do so? How would they reach you? And what would that look like for them? Okay. I Yes, I do readings over the phone. Um, I've read for people as far away as Sweden. Um, what I would need is a photograph, and um, uh, we arrange a time for uh, the phone call, and then we tape it. Uh, I'm, unfortunately, all I have is an old-fashioned cassette tape, but we do tape it, and then when the reading is done, I mail the tape. And uh, people are pretty happy with their phone readings. And do they come to you with specific questions or issues in mind, or do you just, um, you know, stream of consciousness go into what you're seeing and feeling? Well, typically, um, most people come with a question. However, I, I don't talk to you beforehand at all. I go in the first 10 minutes. I go in, I have my eyes closed, 
and I hold an object. Uh, it's called psychometry. I hold an object that belongs to the person I'm doing the reading for and start seeing pictures. And then uh, after about 10 minutes, the pictures slow down. I open my eyes, check in, see if any of it makes sense. Over half the time, they're saying, that's what I came for. <laughs> that, yes. that was the question I came in for today. Um, and... Um, but there are people who come in and they just want the experience. You know, they've never done it before. They've heard about it. They just want to have the experience. And uh, so when I open it to questions, when people talk, I see pictures around them. And that's something I've done ever since I was a kid. So I open to that in the reading. When they ask a question, I hear a response. So uh, the whole reading t- typically takes 45 minutes to an hour. No more and- than an hour. It's fa- this is fascinating to me um, because it is it's tapping into sort of the unseen parts of the world, the unseen parts around us, and using your gifts, giving those gifts to somebody else, and them taking taking those gifts away and using them in their own lives for the greater good to shift. And it is so exciting to me to hear back from people, and I hear back frequently about how having the reading gave them the courage to change, gave them the courage to go do what they wanted to do. Um, that's to me that is so exciting. Mm. Oh, I would imagine so. And the the use of psychometry of holding the object belonging to someone else or the photo, as you say in the private consultations, is the methodology that psychics who do work with the FBI and do crime solving yes. employ. It is to get in in contact with the vibration, if you will, of of the owner of the of the object. Absolutely. And, you know, we're not going to get the whole picture, but we're going to get clues. And the clues, what I found uh, that's also very rewarding is people will tell me later that uh, for several days after the reading, they could really feel their own intuition. Um, they, could, they, they could experience their own intuition more clearly and loudly. And that's a great gift, too. I mean, that's the result, result of all of this, too. It's the, the belief that we do know the answers. And by reaching out and having somebody help us and, and validate us with that with which we already know re- gives us a release to, to step into it ourselves. Absolutely. And and then, of course, uh, so very often the outcome is their personal happiness. Um, and make no mistake, it isn't, a, isn't without a messiness. You know, I always tell people, well, change is messy, um, but the, the ultimate outcome of their personal happiness is so worth it. Uh, that that is hilarious, you know that it that it that it's messy. That change is messy, and you know what? Normal is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Very overrated. Yes, <laughs> messy is good. It, yeah. You know, it, temporary messiness. <laughs> exactly, temporary messiness. You have a unique um, radio show that you do once a month. Um, you do a, a show locally in Portland, Oregon, where people on their drive home, their commute, can call in and talk to you, and you intuit what's going on with them. Yes, that's so so much fun. And who would have thought it? It never occurred to me that I could do readings on the air. Um, But I do once a month. It's typically the first Monday of every month. Um, This next month, September, it's September 12th because of the Labor Day weekend. Um, But uh, being able to take callers over the air has been really fun. And so what would happen, for example, walk me, walk me through uh, uh, 
a session or a minute. Okay. Well, and it's very brief because, you know, we're, we're trying to get as many callers through as we can. But um, if people call in, they give me their first name only, their birthday. I don't need the year. And uh, they get to ask me one question. And while they're telling me these, these things, I'm getting pictures. And so as soon as they ask the question, I see or hear a response. And um, it's, it's amazing how often it's, uh, wow, <laughs> you can see that. So uh, it's, it's been really successful. Oh, I think it would be great fun to, to, to do that kind of show. Do they stream it online as well? Yes, they it's, do. Uh-huh. It's 105.1 105, uh, 105. um, FM, I believe. It's, um, it's, let's see, it's 1051thebuzz.com. I'm sorry, 1051thebuzz.com. Oh. September 12th is the next date. Oh, I think this, I, I would like to tune in and listen to you because I think this would be phenomenal. People who are driving, they're on their commutes, they've got a question, they're able to connect and, yeah. and get some clarification. And I would think that if they're doing it as a lark and then they're getting something that really resonates yeah. and, and matters, it would be shocking. <laughs> it is so fun. It is. It truly is fun. And that's from 4.30 to 5.30. Yes, and I, I have to say it's, um, uh, you know, they do play music and have commercials and that sort of thing. So usually I get um, you know, about 10 minutes every every 15 minutes. So I have usually three 10-minute segments approximately. Oh, but great fun. And that's Pacific time, by the way. It's September 12th from 4.30 to 5.30 mm-hmm. online at 1051thebuzz.com. You can hear Susan Jockis live actually doing little mini consultations with people as they drive home from work. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, you know, speed counseling at its, it's best, speed right? Speed counseling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read for the uh, the hostess of the show a few years back, and um, she, it predicted the the conception of her child, and uh, the uh, in the you know the month of, of that conception, and um, when it happened, she called me and she said, "I got to have you on the show. Will you come on with me?" And then while she was telling the public about it, she turned to me and said, "What you didn't know is I've been trying for thirteen years to conceive." Wow. We are going to need to stop there and hold that thought. And I would love to have you come back on the show in a few months. I'm going to finish this book and we'll think of some creative way to maybe (laughs) do something like this on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Um, Thank you so much, Suzanne Jockis. You can find her work at www.youknowyourwayhome.com or her personal website, www.suzannejockis.com. And boy, we're speeding to the end here. We're careening to the end. And I wanted to leave you with a few thoughts as I always do, and that is that happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypers and Suzanne Jockius wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest actions. Remember, happiness is an inside job. Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Togedax.